Energy. Energy, energy, energy. <laughs> Did you just say Rochelle Obama? Michelle. Michelle. Okay, I thought you said Rochelle Obama. I know I have a thick accent. <laughs> What's your name? Sarah. <laughs> These people are calling me Mustang. Because everyone says to me, <laughs> Do people call you Mustang? <laughs> And I'm like, not twice. <laughs> I use my fake name. <laughs> What's your fake name? Sally. <laughs> hey, Sarah. Hey, Sally. It's good to have you back in the studio, actually. Why are you sucking the microphone like a dick again? <laughs> you grab it every time. Yeah, because I'm going to twist it around. Can you just cut it out? God. You don't even know me. It's good actually having you back in the studio. Yes, had some me time. You're feeling better? Yeah, well, I was away from you, so. <laughs> Gave me some respite. Um. This week was, uh, for those of us in Australia, um, oh, good Lord. one year of yes. Uh, it's been one year since we've had marriage equality in Australia. Well, that the vote happened. That the vote happened. I, I didn't. I'm still carrying on about it. I didn't feel great about that day and it wasn't a day of celebration for me, um, as I made very obvious on all of my so- social media channels. I still feel very upset and angry about that whole process and that day to me isn't isn't a fun day. And I know somebody at work said to me, you know, oh, you know, one year of yes and all that. And then I I think that they regretted saying that to me because I had Yeah, because I clearly don't know your feelings. <laughs> and I said, you know, it makes me not want to get married now. Um and I, I don't the fact that you're single. <laughs> no one on the horizon <laughs> that contributes i'm so lonely uh no i'm not so um, feel free to message your ladies <laughs> i'm really nice um no i i just kind of it kind of makes me feel like we we had to beg for it and i don't beg for anything so that really bugs me um, is it that we couldn't just have those rights given to us? It had to be a fucking survey that went out for the whole country and then you've got the previous Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, celebrating it on Twitter about how great it was. And I'm like, well, no, sorry, why aren't we going for a plebiscite on divorce then, Mal? You know, stuff like that. So, Well, divorce laws were changed back in the 60s or 70s, so time's passed. Um, <laughs> no, no, but it's just it just feels like it, it still feels very raw to me um, that, you know, I know people who were spat at in the street and I know people who received horrible pamphlets in their mailbox about how disgusting and disgraceful they were. Like mm-hmm. I, I just think that they, the government uh, – the time opened up this really horrific. I agree. Wound. And, I, and I'm still not over it and I wasn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I just didn't celebrate it as, you know, as everyone else did. It was 
wasn't a day of mourning for me, but I did wear my <laughs> human shirt. But I did wear black. <laughs> oh, I, I often wear black. But, she always wears black. Um, but I did wear my human shirt. It's got all the colours of the rainbow on it. And I was just yeah. like, you know what, bitches? Eat this shit. So, you know, but apart from that, I had a great week. Yeah. Uh, sounds like it. But I know that other people were happy and I think it's great that people were celebrating, but I, I, I'm I, just, I still feel very Cynical. raw about it. It's not, that I'm, it's not that I'm cynical. Angry. I just, I feel raw. I feel very raw. But. Well, that, is that from the vote or something else? That's from the vote. <laughs> about that, thanks. But the really great thing about this week is that we've got, I've just been really looking forward to this week, um, Carrie Kerning, the drag queen from New York that I spoke to, um, drag persona, Carrie, and I spoke to John on the phone and he was Oh, I loved him. He's beautiful, beautiful man. He's just so gentle and smart and kind and lovely. And I just could have stayed on the phone with him. I think it was nighttime for me and daytime for him. Um, but he was incredible. Just such a lovely man. And I think I even went so far as to invite him here when he comes over and then I'll take him around. Probably sounds really creepy now. Um, uh, you think? <laughs> But I just really, I really felt like we bonded and. You feel um, you bond with anyone. Sorry, John, if that's not how you felt at the end of that. But <laughs> I don't feel like I bond with everyone. Oh. I very clearly don't. But I have bonded with a few people on this show. Totally. I think, I think John would be one of them. I think Brandy Love would be another person. How did I know you were going to say Brandy Love? <laughs> I love Brandy. How did I know you were going to say Brandy Love? <laughs> I when know. I called you the other day and you were editing her interview. <laughs> God, I hope it was an interview. <laughs> yeah, everyone, we've got Brandy Love coming back up in the next couple of weeks. And it was such a great chat. And I love Brandy. And, I, I you know, and she loves the podcast and and we've just got we just Friend got of on. the show. Friend of the show. Best friend of the show, I think. Yeah. So, but we have um, Carrie this week. So Carrie's a drag queen in... New York, and you can follow her on Instagram, and I it's it's well worth your time to do that um, because she's always wearing beautiful, beautiful clothes and and outfits and very funny and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's K R I K E R N I N G for anyone who wants to follow her. Um, while you're there, you can also follow us on Instagram. We're Oh Hey Gays. Um, we're also on Facebook as well. Um, where I post very political diatribes <laughs> and um, you're liberal. You what? I meant to say <laughs> liberal left wing, and it came out all together. <laughs> you're liberal. liberal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. What did you say, Sarah? No. Um, Do I yeah. speak with an accent? You might. You might. You do have a funny way of talking. It's called pronunciation. <laughs> I just mumble through everything. Well, it's because you're so close to the microphone. I well, have to be. Yeah, I do because it's a. It, it's just one directional. Yours sort of picks up everything. But anyway, I'm not talking about this here now. We'll talk about it later. Don't talk to me like we're dating. <laughs> Will never be. Anyway, oh, guys, I hope God. that you enjoy this episode. Um, 
definitely, definitely um, follow us on, on social media and stuff and let us know what you think about the episode. I always love hearing from people. Thank you again so much for coming on. Um, I've just absolutely been dying to talk to you for a long time now um, and have set up this project so that I can talk to you and people like you who do drag. Um, oh, I'm super excited. Thank you. <laughs> so first of all, I kind of want to know, like, what was growing up like for you? Oh, that's a, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up just outside of New York City. Uh, about an hour and a half away and I was um, in a a pretty typical small town environment so I was definitely closeted it was not the most gay friendly place but it was also not the hardest Mm -hmm. (laughs) place to be it could have been worse so I guess you know relatively fortunate in that sense but also not a place where I I, uh, was really I don't know comfortable or or open very early in life it took me a long time to kind of come to terms with my identity yeah and so what made you kind of get into drag like if it took you a little while to come to terms with your identity did drag help you in that way oh i i was so afraid of drag when i first came out i think that's pretty maybe common i don't i don't want to speak for other people but i think i hear that from other other queer people too um the first big hurdle was like admitting that I was, you know, gay or, or what, you know, coming out as a queer person and kind of feeling comfortable in that. But even in that sense, I think we all have a lot of like internalized homophobia and sexism and, you know, all these things that still linger on inside us. So like the first couple of years as, as gay, I would go out and I would see drag or, you know, I think even just all different forms of kind of flamboyant expression Mm. made me feel uncomfortable in the beginning, even when I, like, felt okay being, like, I'm a gay person, I can, you know, identify and be proud and all this stuff. It still took me a long time to, I think, get rid of some of those weird things that I grew up with and, you know, internalized prejudices that I had. So learning to, like, embrace drag, I think, helped, helped me evolve, but it took a little while to get there. Um, and it was definitely a slow process. And so if, if I had told myself that, oh, God, 19, 18, when I came out that I would be doing drag now, I would never have believed that. <laughs> <laughs> because it was so different from, you know, how I saw myself and, you know, my place in the world. Yeah, so what what is the story? Like, how did you get into drag? Oh, my gosh. Well, I think, like... So many things that we're taught to not like, we have like a love-hate relationship with it, and I think I had that with drag and kind of queer expression, where I distanced myself very much from it, but there was still a part of me that was hyper-drawn to it, and I didn't want to admit that. So when I would start going out to clubs, like I would go to drag shows tentatively, I would kind of meet people who were maybe edgier than I was, or you know, more more expressive, and slowly kind of saddle up to this world I started um, I was I was in a, a gay group in college and we would like bring drag queens to perform at the school and I was really interested in organizing that event mm. um, 
but I don't think I ever saw myself as part of, you know, like it was, it was, I would welcome them here and I would talk to them and I really loved that. And I did that for a few years, but there was definitely a, a line of separation. And one day, one of my friends saw, brought me a poster for a, an amateur drag competition. Um, I was living in Columbus, Ohio at the time. And, um, she just yelled at me and was like, why aren't you doing this? This is ridiculous. <laughs> you know? you, uh, you're so, you're so obviously interested in this. You need to do it and kind of forced me to. And it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life and also the most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. How did it go? So that was like my gateway drug. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was, it was a, I was a mess. Um, <laughs> in, in the best possible way. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I think a lot of, at least in New York City where I'm located now, a lot of, um, a lot of drag queens are performers, so they come here through Broadway or acting with kind of vocal training or dance training. Um, and I went to art school to be an illustrator, so I had nothing in terms of like performance experience. Uh, and I, I was just kind of a, a, a bumbling mess trying to figure it out. And I think that's the greatest gift I ever had as a performer is that I, I did I wasn't taught any rules, so you know I, I just kind of bumbled my way through it and figured out a unique viewpoint through that process but the first time was like a mess (laughs) (laughs) oh wow and is it a welcoming environment like for first timers like the community um yeah i i i don't think so as as like uh as a like a cisgender performer um i think i didn't realize maybe right away how welcoming and liberating drag could be until I was in it. Because at first it's like, you know, as someone who doesn't identify as a trans person, I didn't see the clothing in any way reflecting kind of my identity right away. Yeah. And so it was always, you know, just pretend and, and, and dress up. And then the more you do it, I think you realize that, you know, there's, there's blurred lines and identity and like all of this is constructed and there's something liberating in that. Even if you don't, you know, identify as a, as a woman or as a, I guess like a clown or a, a puppet, you know, like all these ridiculous things, they're all kind of constructed and it's hyper liberating to be in a space where you can be anything you want, no matter how you identify or who you are. It's like, it's very welcoming and, and magical once you can get comfortable in that kind of space. So that's the biggest gift I think I got from drag. Yeah, and I guess like exploring the idea of femininity, um, if I can actually say that word, um, I kind of wonder like, you know, with you and other drag queens, like is your drag persona like a representation of women or is it a parody or, or something else? What, what? Yeah, and that's that's a hard question to answer, I think, sometimes. Um and I think it's good that that's a hard question to answer. Um, you know, I think I think it's definitely, I would say, a parody mm. of being a woman, but it might be a parody of the social expectations we have on women. And that's a complicated difference, I think. You know, um, when, yeah. it's, when, when you're wearing big hair or big makeup or, you know, any of these ridiculous things or even like, over-sexualizing, these are all things that society places on women, I think, rather than what women actually are. And, you know, they're also things that 
are not don't define a woman or a man. You know, they're 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 things that I think everyone can play with and look at in a different way. And so that's definitely part of my drag is subverting or inverting or flipping these things on their head. Um, I always get hesitant when 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 it's when people say the word parroting women because I think as a performer I have a huge amount of respect for women mm. and all you know being a woman is not what I do but there are women that you know can and should do what I do but it's not defined to that so it's a much you know like it's such a bigger thing but it's it's so reductive to kind of look at it through that lens and it's also I think a little insulting if you're a performer and view it as just kind of parodying a woman it's much bigger yeah. than that and complicated yeah absolutely with this um sort of thought the me too movement at the moment um that's kind of sweeping the globe um has that changed your the way you perform at all or has has your performances become more political or i think i mean i think the me too movement at least from where 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 i've been seeing things the last couple of years you know is is obviously like super important and 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 been happening but it also relates to kind of a wider consciousness that yeah. we're having where we're you know we're thinking about these things that we put up with for so long or ignored for so long and actually holding people accountable and listening to people um and so there's kind of like an awakening happening in general and it's super exciting and i do think it affects the type of performances i do but i don't know if it's in a specific direct way but yeah it's made me think more and try and listen more and i think that inadvertently affects what I do. I've had numbers that, um, you know, I've, I, I always try and have like a strong point of view in a number, whether or not it comes across to the audience, I have to believe in what I'm doing for a reason. Yeah. But I've had people come up to me after numbers and say, you know, I think that's offensive because of this, or I think that makes me feel this. And I, I when that first started happening, you, you immediately get like a, you know, like a gut reaction of like, well, wait, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's, it's, you know, it's your art and it's your baby and it's something that you crafted, but you crafted it from your experiences and hearing how other people view it shouldn't define what you make, but it should influence it. It should be taken into account. So I've definitely had numbers where people have talked to me afterwards and given me a different opinion and some of that has affected and changed the number. Some of it has not and it's open to conversations you know um mm. but i think like i've been trying to listen a lot more which yeah. is which is hopefully helpful yeah i imagine it would be helpful because <laughs> yeah i mean because no one you know cause no we don't have I, at least i don't have any damn answers <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing i don't think anyone has any answers but it, it's good just to be heard i think in in any respect so that's good that you that you uh, well and sorry and it's it's right drag is about expressing your voice and being heard but you do it in such a exaggerated public way that you also have to listen to the people who are interacting with you because you can drown them out in your quest to finally get get a voice yourself and so it's it's, it's always a back and forth because even if you're just living on instagram as a drag I definitely find a lot of my identity through performing live. But even if you're just on Instagram, someone is like looking at you and reacting to you. You're not in a vacuum. So drag is the relationship between you and those people. So you have to kind of 
see how they're interpreting and reacting to and thinking about what you do. And then what you do with that information is up to you, but you have to listen. Yeah, I, I love that answer. Um, how much does your drag persona sort of mimic your actual personality? Um, like, how does it, like, I guess, like, are you very much like your character or or not? I think um, I wish I were more like my character a lot of the time. <laughs> it's definitely taking... I'm, I'm an introvert that has learned to be, like, a really great extrovert. Like, I can perform extrovert really well. Yeah. And it, it's kind of taking all of the the things I find funny or the things I wish I could do and amping them up to such a degree that it, it bears no resemblance to who I really am, but actually at my core, it, it's deeply connected to who I am, if that makes any sense. <laughs> it does. It, it really does make a lot of sense. It's funny, isn't it? I think I'm an introvert who's learned to be an extrovert. Um, it's a good skill to have to pretend to be an extrovert. <laughs> yeah, and my friends call that persona uh, Champagne Sally. Um, where you can kind of just like, you know, pop out and just like schmooze and stuff around. Oh, I love and that. Yeah, so that's what one of my friends is oh, like. I love that a lot. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, there's his champagne Sally, like, come out. So, yeah, and then I just sit in my house usually by myself and just like, thank God I'm by myself. <laughs> so. well, it's, it's, a, it's a tool when you learn to like use it, you can use it anywhere. Like, I, uh, as a, during my day job, I work as a designer in an advertising agency. And it's funny how many parallels I see between talking to a client about a project and performing because it's all, you know, it's it's all an act and it's all for an audience and it's all, it's very similar. (laughs) So once you figure out how to, what makes Champagne Sally work, then you can bring her out anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And, and to different degrees, I guess. So yeah, because I do social media for my job and usually I spend my days teaching people how to use social media. Um, and, yeah, that's a very different persona, I guess, to other sides of me where I'm very sort of patient and kind and, you know, in my head sometimes I'm like, oh, for God's sake, how can you not know what Twitter is? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of honing. Like you're talking to my, my parents. So are they your clients? <laughs> Oh, God, it's so frustrating. Sometimes I'm just like, it's 2018. <laughs> just Google it. <laughs> um, yeah, just so, Google it. It's the answer to so many problems uh, in life. <laughs> you know, Google. I know. And as a side issue, I don't understand how people don't think of that first before asking. I'm like, why would you not go to Google first? Like, there's probably six videos <laughs> to tell you. But anyway, that's getting off, off topic. Um, so... What does drag mean to you, like, overall? Oh, um, I guess drag is, this is such like a, a, a question that I hear a lot, and yet I, as you can tell by my stuttering, I don't have a prepared answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think drag is like, it's a reminder that, life is made up and we are like through our actions we are continuing to make it up and so there's an empowering realization in that you know mm, yeah. like your job the the government 
the way, you know, men and women behave in public. All of this is made up, and that can be good or bad, but if you just accept it, then you're not really in control. If you're aware of that, then you're in control. So if you're making decisions because of things you want to do, that's great. If you're doing things because you think you have to, yeah. maybe you need to step back and realize that you don't have to. And drag pushes us to such a crazy extent that it's like a daily reminder that all this shit isn't real. And you can... <laughs> you can change whatever you want at any time. I think that's that's such a perfect answer, isn't it? Because it's so easy in, you know, in theory to change everything. And I think that's what drag for me as a, a lesbian, um, that's what I sort of see. It's like, yeah, you can, you can do anything and you can be anybody. Um, and it's just that, yeah. that simple, but then it's so not that simple also. Like, so... Yeah, that's what I sort of get from drag when I watch it. It's like, wow, you can really be anybody you want to be. So, yeah. And, it, like, scaling that up, right? Like, maybe because it's, it's your body and it's your movement, it's easier to control and, and do it in, in such a powerful, compact way. But that can, you know, the dressing up like a pickle versus gender identity <laughs> and how you want to express that in public versus the way we want to tax our citizens in a country are all just like decisions that people made. None of those are like, you know, those, none of those are absolutes or things that we have to follow. We can create things. And so we should create things that are good for us and that we like. Um, and that's like a silly spectrum, but it's also like super real. You yeah. know, who, who says any of these things are absolute? We, we collectively made it up one day. Isn't it funny? Like I know my sister and I, uh, a couple of months ago, we were sort of just sitting around having a coffee and we were kind of just sort of looked at each other and thought, well, is this it? Like, I don't know. We went to, oh, we went to school, we, we went to uni, we got a job and is that, and we've had kids and it's like, is that it? Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that seems like a big ripoff. And yeah. And that was the point too, that I started my other podcast, Oh Hey Gays. And I, I thought, no, this, there has to be more to life than doing what you're supposed to do. So yeah, and to me, and I think, and that's why I love drag is because that that's what it represents to me is just this, you can be anybody and you can do anything you want and it doesn't have to be what, you know, people say that life is meant to be, you know, at 40 you're meant to be doing this. Like, it's it's a freedom, I think, when I see people perform. Like, people like you, it's just, it's freedom. It's, it's like, it's exciting and scary, right? When you make up anything you want. Yeah. There's a little bit of fear there too because it's nice to be told what to do, but it's so much more fulfilling, I think. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like when you're sort of lying in bed at night, it's like, no, I've, I've done what makes me happy today. And that that's a great thing. It's, it's a brave thing these days, I think. Like, that's, yeah, so. I don't know, God, I'm, I'm just like going into all this in-depth stuff. No, I love this. I'm feeling very, like, warm and fuzzy about the <laughs> queer community right now. Thank you. So where did the um, inspiration for Carrie come? Like, where did that come from? Um, I think it was a, a, a kind of a series of different things that all layered and eventually made sense. I think the worst thing a drag performer can do is try to construct a very rigid identity right away out of thin air because it's it always feels forced and it always feels one note 
And if you're doing a character long term, it has to have depth to it. And the easiest way to do that is to kind of root it in something real, because then you don't have to make it up every time. You know, like if yeah. you're drawing on real feelings or real, real interests or real quirks, then you don't have to perform it all the time. You're just kind of tweaking something that already exists versus trying to write a whole character and have a and have a whole backstory right away. So so Carrie kind of just came with I think wearing a costume and feeling liberated and seeing how I acted when I felt more liberated, you know? Yeah. When I didn't feel like everyone was looking at me, how did I how did I move? How did I talk? How what did I want to do? And then over time you build that into a character. I, I think any 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 drag performer that's, you know, uh, under a year old and thinks they have it all figured out is doing it wrong because you should always be kind of growing and tweaking and honing and finding what you like and then that eventually builds up into this thing that's basically another person yeah. <laughs> over time. It, it is, isn't it? Like, and I mean, because we get, um, I guess too, what I'd probably ask you about your thoughts on like, you know, drag race, like RuPaul's drag race, because that's what we get a lot of out here. And it's so interesting for yeah. me watching you know, the change, but then also not the change and watching the, like, the drag queens evolve as, as the seasons go on, like, it, yeah, it, that is fascinating to me. What are your thoughts on RuPaul's Drag Race? I mean, it really has changed everything, hasn't it? Yeah. It's so strange that you're, yeah, so you're in Australia, we're, like, a world apart from each other, and we can probably name 20 of the same performers that we all know. And that would never have been a thing before this. You know, maybe we would have known three and, you know, events like Mardi Gras in in, in Sydney, like those would have united people across continents, but it was all very much local and and disconnected or slower, you know? And and now everything has gotten so fast and so connected over such a short amount of time. It's it's just a huge change. Well, Um, yeah, I mean, we have some of the drag queens come out and perform here and you can't get a ticket. Like, they're just gone. Like not that wild? I know, even if I wanted to go and see, you know, someone like Alaska, I couldn't. So it's incredible, yeah, because it's just sold out in minutes. And and that's like that... I have, I have, you know, I think like everything, Drag Race is, is a mixture of good and bad change. It's not good or bad, it's just complicated change, you know? Like, there's, there's different emotions and different things, and, 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 and I have complex feelings about it. But in general, it's, it's incredible that that is a thing we can see now, because, that, you know, when you see a performer, a, a queer performer doing something so wildly gay, step out on a stage and it looks like a pop concert, it's mind-blowing i would never have thought that would be the world we live in if you had told me you know 15 years ago or yeah however many years ago, you know it's just it's mind-blowing which is exciting yeah i agree i mean even someone like trixie mattel you know with her music career as well as her comedy and you know that's that's an insane combination i think as well like that has just exploded onto the the scene like I, I I love it. Like well, I I have t-shirts and, we, and that. Oh, I love a Trixie t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we just had we just had DragCon New York here, um, and even even the, the the ecosystem it's built. Even people who aren't on the show, like I love Karen from Finance, who is I think Sydney based. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
she's an Australian performer. Yeah, I, I love following her. And I, she was at New York and at this convention. And, you know, someone who's not even on television has, you know, social media and these conventions and the, the world, the fan base is built. There's so many more opportunities to just see different people and, and experience different bags and kind of have a wider audience. It's, it's mind-blowing. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, it really is. What what is DragCon like? It's it's probably the most special thing in the world, and then also like every other convention you've ever been to at the same <laughs> yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, because as someone who's done it in drag for, I think I've done three of them now. I've done LA and New York twice. Um, it's exhausting. <laughs> You're under fluorescent lighting for a very long amount of time and concrete floors, which are not great with heels. No, and so fluorescent that lighting. Like, that is the like every, yeah, you know, that's the every day of a Comic Con or whatever. But then the, the flip side of that is you see so many people and so many different types of people excited about drag and little kids with their parents and it's, 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 that's kind of magical. It's so different and so exciting to see a mother come up with her six-year-old who wants to take a photo with... I worked in Ms. Cracker's booth this year, um, and to see these little children who are so excited to take a photo with Ms. Cracker and that parents are not only aware of, but supportive and encouraging about that, Yeah, that is, like, next-level exciting. Yeah, well, I know my daughter is six, and she came home from school and said you know, mum, boys can't wear dresses. And I was like, oh, want to make a bet? And I I, sh- <laughs> I showed her Drag Race and she just fell in love. Like she fell in love with uh, Ginger Minge um, and is a diehard Ginger fan. But I'm like, I she- love that. yeah, and she just loves it. And every time she puts on a dress, she does the RuPaul pose and – you know, it's just, it's incredible to me. And she talks to people at school. She's got a RuPaul shirt. Like, it's just, you know, like, yeah, that's on Drag Race, you know, that kind of thing. And it's it's like I'm hoping that she can educate other people, like, who say boys can't wear dresses. Like, want to make a bet. <laughs> so, and I'm sure whoever said that, I'm sure whoever said that to her didn't think they were being malicious, you know? Yeah. That seems like a normal thing. But what a... What a terrible thing to start doing at such a young age of telling children what they can't do when it's not hurting anyone. You know, we we should keep them safe. We should keep them obviously like caring about each other. But when you start saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, it just builds up and starts limiting at such a young age. So it makes me so sad. Yeah. And and that's what I, yeah, that's what I thought. And I was really glad sort of that I showed her her drag race and that she's passing that message on at six. Like, hey, everyone and I said every, anyone can wear anything like it, it's not it's not a thing like it doesn't matter kind of thing so yeah I don't you know one one these drag kids are going to take I mean it's going to be an incredible world when I, when all these kids grow up it's going to be so different you know oh, no. uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what 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 kind of exciting wonderful things they do yeah we should just skip our generation and get the next lot up as <laughs> I mean, I, I thought we were doing pretty well for a little while, but now I'm on board. Let's just skip us because we messed a lot up. <laughs> exactly. I used to feel so positive about the world, but not recently changed. <laughs> well, how did your family react to drag? To you doing drag? 
Um, they, so I come from a, a, a very waspy family. Is that a, is that a phrase you use in, in Australia? It's a very like is that white like, Anglo-Saxon Protestant-y Yeah, is it like pop family. collars and stuff? Yeah, like just, just very like, um, very reserved. We don't talk about feelings a lot, uh, mm. and we're respectable, so we're very nice to each other, uh, in a hello, how are you doing sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> My mother flew to Columbus, Ohio before I moved. I was there for three and a half years, and I used to do these very large stage shows with my drag mother, um, Nina West, who performs there. And we do, they were like hour and a half, two hour long off-Broadway stage shows. And um, my last one, I flew her out, and she watched, and it was wonderful. Um, you know, it, the whole it's a big theater of people. Everyone's very supportive and exciting to get to see that. And that was very special to me. Um, but we don't talk about it. <laughs> so I know she's aware cause I saw her there. She's there. <laughs> it's just not, I think some, some, some habits, uh, die hard. And I think the, uh, <laughs> the, the old English way of, uh, not dealing with the reality of a hard one to break so <laughs> yeah wow that yeah especially in that case <laughs> i'm much more concerned i'm much more concerned that they um acknowledge that i'm a queer person and that i you know i, I the people i'm in relationships with and that i someday would like to find a partner and have children that's the thing i push more and if 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 this is the if this is the thing that I'm not going to get them 100% on board with, that's okay as long as I'm open about it. I never want to lie about something. I want to hide things. Yeah. Um, but my my personal relationships are something that I'm going to push hard, and if this is something I don't have the energy to push on, I'm okay with it. That's where I've gotten to. As long as, we, as, long as at some point we've talked about it and it's open, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. That's a really healthy way of looking at it, I think. The older, the older I get, you just realize there's only so much time and so much energy. To yeah, exactly. Try. And sometimes Fight for everything all at once doesn't yeah, always work. Sometimes you just can't change people, so just got to work with them. That's, that's okay, you know. Yeah, that's hard. That's a hard lesson to learn, and and also like I change, so there's things that I used to believe in very firmly that maybe have a slightly different view on now. But um, as long as I express what I feel to other people and have them hear me, whatever they do with that information is up to them. I just have to say it. I can't not say it because I think we come from a culture of not saying things too much. Yeah, I remember when I was younger, my dad said to me that when you get older, there's a lot more grey than black and white. And I was like, as Mm -hmm. if, like, you've just given up. Like, it'll always be black and white. And I'm like, oh, there's so many Uh shades of (laughs) grey. Like, as I've gotten older, so uh, many shades. And that's a, that's a weird thing that I think people with very different mindsets encounter the same thing, that things are more complicated, there is more gray, and that can either 
be disheartening and cause you to check out and give up. Mm. Or it can be just a reality that you deal with and you realize things are more complicated and you have to maybe take a little bit longer to, to fight for certain things and figure stuff out. It, and they're two very different roads, but you're kind of dealing with the same thing. Because when I, when I talk to some relatives and they're like, you know, if, I, if I'm talking about something political and they, they say something like, like, oh, everyone's a crook, you can't change anything, whatever. We're both dealing with the same reality, but very different reactions to it. Yes. Um, and I... I just much rather be where I am than yeah. other mindset. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. And speaking of politics in the US, um, how is it? Yeah, oh, just a lovely topic. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I sort of, I wonder how LGBT people are going. Like, how, how is it there for you at the moment? I mean, I think I'm never going to. I know, I know some people have said, uh, with with Trump's election, even before that, that it would be a good thing because it would force us to deal with with certain issues. And I think that we've seen the terrible things that are happening in our government that then affect the world. Um, it's not good, and I will never say that it's a good thing. Mm, I will never, yeah. I will never be on that Susan Sarandon camp. Um, it makes me angry, and it's just not true. And mm. I, I can't say that. But I will say that there is always a silver lining. Um, and I think that during the Obama presidency here, that was some, that was the first election I voted in. That's when I became politically engaged. That's when I came out and I just felt so affirmed all the time. Um, and it, it felt like we were really entering a new space, but also I was a middle, you know, an upper middle class white male. So yeah my reality wasn't maybe reflective of everyone's. Like, even even when things are good, there's still a lot of problems, and especially in this country, for trans people, for non-white people, for immigrants, there's a lot of problems, and there always have been. So I think this served as a wake-up call to the LGBT community that, um, yeah, you can get married for now, but, like, wake up. Things have not been perfect, and things are still not perfect, and now they might be getting worse. Yeah. And that maybe is a good thing, because... Um, I think a lot of maybe white gay men especially take things for granted and, and thought we were in a different place than we are. Um, the flip side of that is that it's, it's like life is always scary now. <laughs> and I'm lucky to live in New York where as a city and as a state where we have a lot of progressive laws and we, we feel protected because locally we are and I'm fortunate about that. But I'm constantly reminded that people who live in other areas of the country are not and... Um, you know, we're, we're, we're still, I think we're still a, 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 a wonderfully supported community, but we're seeing threats that we didn't expect um, mm. and that are really scary. Yeah, it's... Um... Both as, you know, culturally, legislatively, but then also, you know, there, there's been an uptick in, in even hate crimes and things like that, you know? There's, there's been, you know, attacks on immigrant people and, and, and just, just the whole language that, you hear coming out of like public discourse now is just stuff that I thought we had pushed to the fringes and we're trying to get rid of and now it's just suddenly acceptable and on TV and then the president is accepting it and that's, that's terrible I, I'm i okay because I'm a, I'm a 31 year old man but I I get so scared that this is what kids see on TV and think is normal it's, it makes me really sad yeah that, I think that's that's the thing isn't it like because even my daughter knows who Donald Trump is and is like, well, no kind of thing. And I can't believe that 
that it's sick, she knows who that is and, and how bad he is and how bad he's making it. Like, it just blows my mind. Um, we interviewed... Um, it, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I, um, I'm Oh, hey, gays. We interviewed um, Miss Coco Peru. Um, and, I saw that. How incredible. Oh, it was a dream come true. I just... Legend. Yeah, I've got a note on my um, microphone and it just says, be cool. Like, just be cool. And I had to keep looking at that while I was talking to her. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> don't don't fangirl out. Um, just, just be cool. Um, and she was saying at one of the grocery stores uh, that she goes to, um, a woman in line behind her sort of looked her up and down and she had a man, like a, it, she said it was a man bag um, from Spain, but looked kind of like a handbag, I guess. And this woman behind her just looked her up and down and was like, oh, really? Kind of thing, like just in the middle of the the store. And then the she spoke to one of the kids that worked at the store and, and he said, yeah, it's happening all the time now. Like they just think that they can say anything they want to us. And that made me so sad. Yeah, and I mean, there's always going to be people who think that way right we're we're never going to live in a world where we can get rid of that but when power structures say it's okay that Mm. changes things and honestly in that sense drag race is is a great thing right now because unfortunately we live in a world where corporations probably have more power and influence than government does and vh1 and viacom promote drag race so that's somewhat like that's a large entity that says this is okay for people you know like this little window is okay so in that sense it's probably reaching a lot of people and 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 supporting uh, a community that doesn't always get that but it's it that's wonderful but then when you look to the left and see the president of the united states doing things that just show that he openly does not care about you Mm. it, it it gives that woman in line more you know more more reason to say that thing out loud when before maybe she would have thought it to herself or said it to her mean ugly friends you know yeah yeah, (laughs) exactly it encourages these people yeah it just adds fuel to the fire doesn't it like just unbelievable unbelievable yeah it's 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 terrible but also i think back um moving moving to new york city is something you take for granted the things that have happened here but you know i passed on all the time and i think about in such a short amount of time the terrible things that people had to put up with while being visible and the gift that gave me and so that's an encouraging thought that when things are bad it's more reason to be visible and to just be in public (laughs) and to exist because we need that and it's proven to have worked before and you know i hope that in a little tiny tiny little way just by being who we are we're giving that to to people after us yeah i think this is a really good place to end this was a wonderful conversation thank you you're welcome you have absolutely exceeded my expectations and my expectations were huge so i'm just absolutely buzzing thank you so much
Hey guys, we're back. What do you think, Sarah? It was a great interview. Thanks. Couldn't is, stop listening. Isn't he beautiful? I just love him. So lovely. He is. Um, mm. I and I want him back on here. And when you do come to Brisbane, look me up because clearly, I feel like I fell in love with him a little bit. Um, you've fallen in love several times so far. <laughs> I just got a lot of love to give. A lot of love to give, guys. Oh God, nobody needs that image. What are you up? To, what are you up to this week? Not much. It's getting to the end of the year. I know it's only Christmas. Yes, party season. My daughter is very excited about Santa coming. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it is. We have a lot of in-depth conversations about Santa and where he sleeps and where he lives and. Yeah. When you hate to be that person and bust that bubble. You ever do and I'll murder you. <laughs> I'll murder you in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. See you next week. See ya.